Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where I open up my family room so that we can talk about the week's lessons from Come Follow Me. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar, far from. I'm just your average Latter-day Saint seeking to grow my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures. I have found that one of the best ways to do that is by discussing Come Follow Me with others. My hope is that you'll join in the gospel dialogue by sharing what you learn with others. Without further ado, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 46, following along with I Will Love Them Freely, Hosea chapters 1 through 6, 10 through 14, and Joel, the entire book of Joel. Um, I'll be honest, this lesson was, uh, now we're, you know, last in the last episode I talked about how uh, great it was to feel like, oh, we're back into like something I, I know and I'm passionate about and learned so much. And then <laughs> this uh, this lesson was uh, back to things I wasn't as familiar with again. And uh, still exciting, still great things, but there's always a different excitement level for me when I am really familiar. So, yeah, there's th- this one. It, it is nice, though, because when there's not as much that I'm excited about or passionate about, I can be a little bit more focused, which I, I always struggle to be focused. So... In the introduction, it says Israel's covenant with the Lord was meant to be so deep and meaningful that the Lord compared it to a marriage. The covenant, like a marriage, included eternal commitment, shared experiences, building a life together, exclusive loyalty, and most of all, wholehearted love. This kind of devotion came with high expectations and tragic consequences for infidelity. Through the prophet Hosea, God described some of the consequences the Israelites faced for breaking their covenant. And yet his message was not, I will reject you forever for being unfaithful. Instead, it was, I will invite you back. I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, the Lord declared. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. This is the same message he gives us today as we seek to live our covenants with love and devotion. Joel shared a similar message. Turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. As you read Hosea and Joel, ponder your own relationship with the Lord. Think about how his faithfulness inspires you to be faithful to him. And so, um, I, I think that's actually one of the big kind of cool things that helped me in this lesson was thinking about our relationship with the Lord, like being a marriage. I mean, he talks about that during his own ministry, talked about that several times. Um, but really considering, I just think every time that I, you know, break a commandment or forget the Lord or uh, seek after worldly things and not, you know, God or what he wants for me, that is like being um, unfaithful in, in, a, in a marriage, in a relationship, right? And I think uh, I think it could have two effects. And, and you know, we need to be careful, but the one effect, because we, when, we, when we compare it to that, because if you are in a married relationship and you do... Uh, hold your, your marriage in sacred regard, which I hope you do, then you would I, I be able to feel the seriousness of when the Lord compares us being unfaithful to him, the same as being unfaithful in marriage and how damaging and hurtful that can be. Um, obviously, it's something that we would never want to do or never want done to us. We never want our spouse to be unfaithful to us. And so we can create those feelings, you know, that, that feeling of like, oh my goodness, I don't want to be the unfaithful partner in this relationship. 
Um, but then it could also fill us with like immense kind of pay, pain and um, regret, right? And and also the effect could potentially be where you feel like, oh my goodness, the weight is too too much to bear, which is not what the Lord would want at all. I think he just wants us to recognize and remember that our relationship with him is a sacred one. It is one that we, we should be striving to be equal partners in, equally yoked as you would want in a marriage. And so because we would want that, we, we must grow and develop and rely on the Lord to help us get there. He's kind of the, the, perfect, the perfect husband, so to speak, and then we as his people, as the church, are trying to be the perfect wife. And so I think the symbolism there is really powerful, and if you lean into that, can actually have some some great results for you. And I know for me, at least with my study, and as I pondered it in my own life, I thought, wow, yeah, that really does put into, that frames the relationship for me in a way that makes me want to be always faithful, always in communication with the Lord, and, and, uh, and learning how to be a better spouse, right, that, that, that helped build those desires. But don't take it so far that it, uh, I don't know how you look at your relationships in life, but if uh, if you're a, a no-mercy type of person, uh, then recognize that, that thankfully that's not how the Lord is in this relationship. And it's not a all or nothing, but very much a continually calling unto us, continually calling us back. And so the only thing I, I give caution to isn't, you know, that this example isn't a good one. It came from the Lord. So obviously it's a perfect example, but it's, don't misinterpret that example then to match what the world would tell you to match it to. That's all. And then I love that question is think about how his faithfulness inspires you to be faithful to him, right? The, the whole, why do we love the Lord? Because he loved us first. That's true. And for me, it's the fact that he continues to love me despite my faults and flaws and mistakes and allows me far more than seven times seven or seven times 77, to keep coming back to him. Um, I mean, he's such a loving person, you know, perfect person. And that's who I want to be surrounded by is people who are merciful and kind and loving and gracious and believe that I can grow and change, and he does. And so the reason I remain faithful, the reason I keep going, despite my flaws and despite often feeling like a hypocrite, right, we bear testimony of things, and I'm like, I can't even live true to all the things that I bear testimony of. I know things are true. I just can't always live them. And so thankfully, that's not how he views it. That's not the type of hypocrites he talks about during, or how Christ talked about during his ministry. Because um, as long as we're not trying to tear down others, right, then, then I don't think we're truly hypocrites. As long as we're trying to build up and grow and repent and change, then then none of us are hypocrites. We're all saints. That's what makes us saints. So the lesson starts off, the first section says, the Lord always invites me to return to him. And I'm going to read this, but there's not any scripture to have to share anything. Those come in sections two and three, but I do think this is still important. It says, Hosea's wife, Gomer, was unfaithful to him, and God pointed to this sad event to teach the Israelites how he felt about them and their covenants with him. Also, how painful would that be? If you're the prophet here, you're Hosea, and your life is being used as an example to teach the people, right? But I also think that's a lesson for us is that often our painful moments, the parts that we might want to keep private in our life, often make great examples and great lessons to help others. And so take that, take that uh, 
as you will. Um, as you read Hosea chapters 1 through 3, ponder how the Lord views his relationship with his covenant people. You might ponder ways that you, like the Israelites, may have been unfaithful to the Lord, and now he's reached out to you. For example, what does in chapter 2 of Hosea and chapter 14 teach, what does it teach you about the Lord's love and mercy? How do you show him your love and loyalty? And I feel like I've already talked about this enough, so that's why we're going to section 2. Devotion to God must be felt inwardly, not just expressed outwardly. The Lord had commanded his people to offer animal sacrifices, but even though the people in Hosea's day were obeying the law, they were breaking commandments of greater importance. What do you think it means that the Lord desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings? What do you think it means for the righteous to be like a cloud, or like dew? What should our righteousness be like? And I, I love this scripture in Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. It says, um, Excuse me, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Right? I thought about this, I pondered this verse, and it, you know, it took me to really to the mission, actually, is where I felt like this stood out the most. And the reason the mission was because on a mission, it is the time where you have the most rules, the most uh, sort of structure to your life. A missionary, we when you think of a missionary, you immediately think of uh. You have an image of either white shirts and name tags or dresses, long dresses and bicycles and, you know, all these, this imagery comes to mind, but also a feeling, a feeling of those keeping the commandments, those living the rules. Uh, we know there are mission rules, and so we, we, we expect them to be scheduled. And, you know, when they come over for dinner, it's going to be an hour, and they're going to share a message with us, and they're going to get out of our homes. And, and all of these things are, are very true. Um, but it was also the time, at least in my life, where I recognized uh, in in the rules, in, in those living of the rules, there was also a kind of a tendency for people to disconnect the kind of the what's from the how's or the why's, right? Um, I, I saw a lot of missionaries who were so so much more concerned about the kind of the the what they were doing or how they went about doing it, then they cared about why they were even doing it in the first place or what it was supposed to lead to, that kind of thing. I think it was very easy for that to happen because, again, uh, on a mission, it's, I, I, one, you're young. Prefrontal cortex hasn't even fully developed for the most part. Uh, you know, if you're 19, 18, 19, 20, to 25, your prefrontal cortex still hasn't fully developed, so you're still figuring out life, you're still figuring out how you are going to, what what you're valuing, how you're going to live, and I think that's for a reason. I think that pattern's established for a reason. Um, but I just remember I would sit in these zone conferences, and it just felt like a, a giant kind of, <laughs> I don't know, a war to see who was the most righteous in the room. It was, it was um, really silly, and, I, and I've had... People tell me their experiences are the same, and then others are like, I never experienced that at all. So maybe it's just that I'm a much more critical person or something. I don't know. But I remember sitting in his own conference, and our mission president would get up and ask a question, and you know, all of these hands would shoot up. And it was like, who can get the, the Jeopardy answer? Who can answer it correctly and get the, the double Jeopardy bonus for the day? Um, rather than recognizing it was supposed to be changing our behaviors, it was supposed to be changing us as people, it's supposed to be leading us to conversion. Why did we go on missions? It shouldn't have been just for, you know, 18 months, two years of of solid service in the Lord's kingdom, and then we come home and 
disconnect that from how we're supposed to live and serve. Um, I have a tough time. You know, this is this isn't this is my own personal feeling and opinion. But I just think a mission is such a waste of time if you're only going to come home and then disconnect from the church and uh, or leave the church, right? Like, what was the point of your your service? People have been critical of, uh, to me about that that belief that I have. You know, I said, well, you never know the type of impact that'll have on their life down the road. No, I'm sorry, but I just, to me, the way I value it is like, at this point in my life, if I were to kind of reject my testimony or reject the gospel at this point, it would just feel like such a waste of time. Now, if I'm wrong on all of it, that's different, right? But I don't believe I'm wrong, and I don't think that's the the goal. I've yet to see someone who was able to leave and find better truth than I have. And so, yeah, I do view that as a complete waste of time. You just wasted 18 months to two years of your life doing something that never had the real effect it was supposed to have, which was not to go and, you know, baptize 100 people, baptize 200 people. Um, it wasn't supposed to, to lead to all these really cool stories that you can now share or a language which you can now speak the rest of your life and help you in business. That's not the point of a mission. The point of a mission is that it's supposed to help you live the gospel to the fullest extent possible, separating you from your life at home, from your friends at home, from your family even. It's supposed to separate you from all those things and then put you in a place where you have to rely on the Lord. You have to turn to God. That is the only place that you truly have. You do have a support system. You have companions. You have a mission president who loves you and guides you. You have you know, mission leadership and all these things. And that's all great. That's all fantastic. But it, it, to me, it's a complete and absolute waste of time if the mission never sank into your soul and helped you become converted to the Lord, helped you rely on that relationship. I have a lot of friends who have left the church at this point, a lot of missionary friends who, like companions, who left the church. And uh, and I say leave the church, but really it's like they've abandoned their beliefs in God, or at very least they've abandoned their, their faith in the gospel, the true gospel, right? And I sit there, and, and I, I don't... I don't want to be. I don't want to be critical. I don't want to be critical of them because I know they've gone through experiences that I can't imagine. I don't want to go through myself. But I have a tough time not being like, man, though, like, <laughs> what a waste of time! Like you wasted two years of your life that you could have been doing something else then, right? And I really, I really feel strongly about that because I'm a big believer in not wasting time. I didn't. If I would have served served my mission and come home and and then been like, you know what, I need a break. I'm not going to church for a while. Uh, what a waste of time then. That was an absolute waste of my life. And so, again, the Lord's, the Lord's ways are higher than us all, and uh, maybe, it, maybe it's true what, what people say back to my comment, which is that uh, you never know the impact that that had on their life going forward. But I just think, like, it should have been a springboard for life. A mission wasn't supposed to be this moment that anchors you to come back one day. It was supposed to be a springboard to help you move forward even faster in the real world. Cause that's what it's done for me. You know, church service can be hard. I, I serving in callings or being a ministering brother or sister, like that's really hard. Someone relies on you, someone needs you, but what an amazing opportunity to be able to serve and to bless other people. And honestly, it does become a blessing. I mean, it, it sounds so cliche, but it's real. It's, it's, it is real. It's a real effect. And I've been so incredibly blessed because of both the service that I've rendered others, but also the service that others have rendered me. 
and you start to realize we really are sisters and brothers. And so, yeah, this lesson did impact me in this way, which is that our devotion to God has to be felt inwardly. It cannot just be expressed externally, outwardly. If you're just going to church and you're going through the motions, or if you're just reading the scriptures and not letting it sink in, which believe me is possible, okay? Uh, the whole, I've read my scriptures every single day without ceasing. Yeah, so have I. And let me tell you, I, not every day did it sink in. And that is not going to have the effect that I want. So that's why it's like, it's hard. It takes real effort, real concerted effort. It's easy to set a goal and say you're going to pray and then get on your knees for a couple couple seconds every day and just start your prayer with your Heavenly Father and end it in the name of Jesus Christ and say amen. But if it's not actually building your relationship with Christ, if it's not actually connecting you with God, if you're not filling the gospel and living it, that you are wasting your time. And I would urge you to stop wasting your time. I'm, I'm a big believer that we shouldn't be wasting time at all. I found out like just last week that you can actually open the hymn book in church and then not sing the words, which I've never done. I guess I never know that people did that because to me, again, that feels like a waste of time. If I'm not going to sing the hymn, I'm not opening up the hymn book. Like I'm just not going to, I don't care if people are judging me for it. I'm just not going to sing. Uh, but for the most part, every, every Sabbath, I, you know, I'm opening up the hymn book and I'm actually just singing. Sometimes when the kids are getting rowdy and it's tough for me to, to focus or I'm trying to calm them down, I'll end up just shutting the book because I'm like, yeah, we're not singing during this particular point in time. Uh, but yeah, I, I, someone told me, they're like, you know, I'll open up the hymn book and just not even sing. I do that every week. And I was like, what an absolute waste of time, <laughs> right? So I, I think the big thing is you got to be true and honest. It's okay to be honest. I know that, gosh, in our culture, it is like honesty is the least valued trait. You know, we say it, we say it's valued and then someone's honest about their feelings about something. And we're like, oh, you can't say that. No, you absolutely can say that. I think that the, the thing that's important is you can absolutely be honest with how you feel. Just recognize that it's important that if, you know, for instance, I've said this before, I don't always love going to church. It's not my favorite, my favorite thing. Uh, Sunday school has not been my favorite, which of course is the great irony that then I'm Sunday school president and supposed to be a resource to teachers to help them. And I feel super responsible because I've complained about Sunday school for years and years. And uh, now I have an opportunity to actually do something about it or at least try. And don't, don't believe me, the, the irony has not been lost on me there. Um, man, wow, that train just took away. And I'm like, where was I going with that? Um, oh, now I remember being honest. Yeah. The other thing, it's okay for me to say, I believe it's okay anyway, others have told me it's not, but I believe it's okay to say I don't always enjoy going to church, and sometimes I absolutely dread it. Sometimes I absolutely hate going. I'll even use the word hate, which is such a strong word. Yeah, I hate going. But it, I, on the flip side then, you know, it's okay to be honest and then say, okay, but I do know it's important to go, and I know there are blessings associated with it. So I either need to change my attitude, or I need to learn the blessings to help me desire to go. And that's what I've been doing. For me, I have to learn the why. If I don't know the why, then I just, I just will never, it'll never help me care ever. And so I'm always uh, the full of questions guys that, that then hopefully leads me to the right place. And, and often I'll challenge things and ask, you know, why are we doing something? People feel like I'm just challenging for the sake of challenging, but no, it's because if we understand the whys, if we understand the, the whys of why does God ask us to go to church? Is it just because he wants us to go to church? Well, in my studies, that's not the case. The Lord actually talks about how it's a blessing for us. You know, the Sabbath in particular, the whole day is actually a blessing for us. It's not about honoring the Sabbath for him. 
It's about being a rest-filled day for us. So why? Why is it that way? And that helps my study when I go through it that way. That really helps me. So I just want you to know it's okay to be honest. It's okay to say you don't like living the gospel all the time. Of course that's okay because, of course, that's true. If, it, if, that, if that wasn't the case, then you wouldn't sin or you wouldn't you know, mess up. And we all do sin and we all make transgressions. So therefore, I know that it's not always easy to live the gospel and it's not always fun to do. It's not always the most enjoyable thing. And that's okay. It's okay to be honest. What's not okay is if in your honesty, you justify staying where you're at. That's not okay. Okay. So be honest with yourself, know where you're at, and then improve and seek to make goals and, and come closer to Christ. But uh, yeah, don't, don't be dishonest with yourself or don't pretend. Don't go through, don't go through the physical motions just because, okay? Um, because that's not leading to conversion. It needs to be touching our hearts. What we're doing, like our study of the scriptures, should be connecting in our souls. It should be changing us. If it's not changing us, something's wrong and we need to evaluate. We need to step back. I've had to do this. I don't have to do it multiple times. You know, it's easy to get into these, these kind of uh, patterns and then our brain goes on autopilot and it's not connecting. So constantly be checking in on yourself, constantly be saying, how am I doing? How am I feeling? Am I actually feeling like I'm connecting with God each day? And if not, make a change. That's not normal. You should be connecting with God every day. You should be able to feel the Spirit every day. You have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And what that means is that with the gift of the Holy Ghost, it means that he, he is your constant companion. If he's not your constant companion, it means something's wrong. It means you're doing something wrong or it means there's something in your life that is not in order. So get it in order. I mean, it's, it's this beautiful little thing that we can do. Check in with ourselves, make adjustments, repent. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So live the gospel. That's, I guess, what I want to get to. Let it connect. I promise it'll change your life. It's changed mine. It's changing mine. I have such a long ways to go, but I get so excited because I'm like, ah, I can make progress and I can actually get somewhere. And so can you. And that's the beautiful thing. All right. The final section is I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And in Joel, it talks about, in chapter two, verse 13, it says, and read your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. And uh, I love this verse, this verse in particular in Joel, because it talks about the, the symbolism versus the nature of what we're doing, right? Rending your garments, you know, instead of rending your garments, you should rend, rend your heart. And this continues on with, I think, the same lesson, which is our physical must connect with the internal. Um, we do, we partake of the sacrament each week, or at least we should be partaking of the sacrament each week, unless you're in a repentance process. But the goal is to be taking the sacrament every week, right? But if you're not thinking about it, if you're not pondering the blessing it is, the sacrament is, then I don't. I'll be completely honest. Again, back to that honesty thing. I'll be, I do not every week think about the sacrament when I'm taking it. I just kind of go through the motions. You grab the bread, you grab the water, and you're done. But that is not, uh, that's, that's very similar to rending your garments but not rending your heart, right? The, the true conversion comes when we stop and think about our worship. We think about these ceremonies we go through. We think about these covenants that we're making and taking and it doesn't take this ton, like this overwhelming effort, but it does take effort and it does take thought. And uh, I have to constantly be reminded. That's that's why I do love reading the scriptures because, and I, I find great joy in reading the scriptures. Not only is it a way to study and to learn the gospel, but it does change my mind. It makes me think and, and really ponder, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What is it supposed to be leading to? And learning from these examples like Joel here, right? 
learning that it's it's more than just the physical. It's more than just the the signs that we're showing. It's that it's supposed to internally be changing us. And as we internally change, our outward appearance will also change with it, just naturally. You know, we become truly saint-like people. We become far better people. And we don't need to be stuck in our weaknesses. You like. I can tell you, I can rattle off several weaknesses right now, and I love knowing that I don't have to be like that forever, right? You, you might sit and think, oh, I could never, I could never do a podcast. I could never just free talk, you know? Like, Dalton can do that, but I can't do that. And I'll tell you, I can't do it very well, but I enjoy doing it. And, and I would say that that's not true at all, right? Uh, I think about when I first started this, um, I've always had the ability just to, to ramble and talk. I think it comes from the ADD. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just straight personality. Who knows? Uh, but I think of when I very first episode one, when I first started this podcast to now, um, like it's just so it's, it, to me, it's very different. I'm so much more comfortable talking and being able to, to talk to an audience that I can't see, to be able to connect with you in a way that, you know, and, and who knows, maybe I was far better when I first started than I am now. I don't know, but I personally feel so much more comfortable, um, I enjoy, I enjoy doing it more. I really do. I enjoy doing this a lot more than when I first started. And I don't have the nerves that I do. I remember, oh, I remember when I first started recording and doing podcasts that I would just get so anxious and so nervous. And now I just, I hit record. I don't even think twice about it, right? And, uh, and that's been a fun journey. It's been, you know, coming to the end of three years. We'll enter into year four at the, the turn and who knows what happens after that. And, and, uh, that's, that's my living testimony that our, our weaknesses can become strengths and, uh, we, and we can adjust, we can learn, and we can grow. And that's the beauty of it. But it does have to be a connection. Like going through the motions is not good enough. So recognize the symbolism. I do love, the, by the way, the end part of this same section. It says, you might ponder these words from President Russell M. Nelson. In the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. This has been, by the way, reiterated almost every single conference since he said this. And this was in May of 2018 uh, when he gave that. It was Revelation for the Church, Revelation for Our Lives. And every single conference since then, including this most recent one, has been cited or, or uh, pointed out. That's how you know that that is true, a true statement, that it'll not be possible in the coming days to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. So why am I feeling so passionate about connecting things? Because you're really only going to have the full strength of the Holy Ghost if you're connecting with him, building a relationship with him, getting to know him. Um, because I promise that's what he wants. He would love to be able to have that relationship with you. His goal is to guide us to Christ. He wants to take us to Christ and to show us to, and I'm not talking about in this like, you know, like, far out level, uh, getting to know him. Like, I mean, literally he wants to take us to Christ. He wants to take us to Jesus Christ, the, the man, the person, the, the God of this world. Like he wants to introduce us himself to Jesus Christ and he will, but it's going to take work on our part, take building our relationship and getting to know him and working on it. So do those daily actions, do those things. And that's what I've got to constantly remind myself to do as well. It's, it's hard. It's hard to remember to do it every day. Stuff comes up. Life gets busy. So easy to be like, I don't have time to read my scriptures today. I'll get to it tomorrow or I'll do it later tonight. And then you don't. It's easy. I fall into that trap the most. The 
oh no, I don't have time this morning. I'll do it tonight. And then I don't. Um, but I can tell you that the days I don't, I feel it. I feel this revelation that president Nelson gave. I feel that more and more all the time. Like it is becoming tougher and tougher to survive our days without the constant guiding influence. So, uh, I ring that warning again for myself as well as for you have the Holy ghost to be with you each day. And, uh, believe me, it is far more important to stall your day to make sure you have the influence of the Holy ghost than it is to go ahead and start your day. I promise you, um, do not be distracted by the, by your worldly concerns. Make sure to focus on building that relationship with Christ. So turns out I had more to say than I thought. I guess that's how it goes, but I, I, I do hope that if anything, what you're left with is a, you know, this, this thought, which is how are you going to change your week to have the Holy Ghost with you every single day, every single moment? What are you going to do this week that you can do better this week that you didn't do last week? What are you going to do to change that, to have the Holy Ghost with you and commit to it, commit to it like a marriage. And I promise you that that will guide you this week. Uh, Get it in your mind, commit to it, set goals and measure it out. Let me know how it goes next week. Uh, Thank you for joining my family room discussion. Until we meet again, have a blessed week.